Danielle. And I'm Crispin. In this podcast, we will be listening to the Adventures in Odyssey radio show that has been put out by Focus on the Family for the past 30 years. If you grew up evangelical like us, there's a good chance you've heard an episode or two. We'll be on the lookout for themes and messages in the show that coincide with, and sometimes depart from, God's vision for his kingdom in the world. Thanks for listening with us. Welcome back to the Prophetic Imagination Session. We're back, and we're going to do a double episode today. Got to blow through these. Yeah, yeah, everybody's tired. Mm-hmm. And welcome to the two episodes that really have no significance at all, except all the plot lines that we don't care about that we haven't really told you about. So, yeah, episodes 9 and 10 are just filler. Mm-hmm. It's like sawdust. Right. Right? Totally. Yeah. Okay, there's a tiny spider on my microphone. <laughs> I know. I tried, tried to get them all out. You guys were in a hot, sweaty shed that's filled with spiders. Mm-hmm. For you. For you guys. By the way... Um, we just, we gotta, there are so many folks that have been emailing us and it's been really encouraging, but we need a special shout out for Elizabeth Ham because she sent us gifts. Oh yeah. She's only a person who did. Not gifts, like presents. Right. G-I-F's. Like animated pictures. Gifts, mm-hmm. as some say, but not us. Right. Yeah. That was really nice. It was very nice. And just the thing we needed. We're we, here. Yeah. She's from Canada. We have some other people. We've had like multiple people email us from Canada. Hey, we love Canada. Right. We've been talking about where do we need to move. We're waiting to see how Brexit pans out. Right. Um, but Canada could be could be up there. I don't know. Canada, you're a bit too self-congratulatory for my taste. <laughs> but seriously, if the U.S. doesn't let refugees anymore in anymore and then all our refugee neighbors leave i don't want to live here anymore mm-hmm. one of my neighbors just moved into section 8 housing which is cool but we don't have section 8 housing out here very much and so she's moving and which means, i always get depressed right our daughter is losing a friend at school anyways yeah so i gotta do the recap because you weren't paying attention when you were listening i could tell because you were just scrolling on facebook what I was on Instagram. Okay. I was looking at Carmen's life coaching website. <laughs> Perfect. It's very important. Wow. We, I had listened to these a few months ago. Yeah. Okay, uh, wait, wait. I don't think you should recap. I think you should just talk about like the two or three major plot lines that we haven't discussed at all that these two episodes are all about. Oh, yeah. That's and it's ex- my turn to recap. Right. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to, I mean, I don't want to, like, steal your thunder. No. You, you You're ready it. to go. You got it. No. How about I'll do one plot point and then you do the next one? Okay. Okay. How about you do the plot points and I tell you where you got it wrong? We're so good at being married. No, we're not. Because now you just changed all my plan. Anyways. Okay. So one of the major plot points is that there's all this kerfluffle about a ghost town in Hangman's Hollow. Right, and so Jay and these two other kids who are the normies, and then that detective guy you love, Harlow Doyle. Harlow Doyle, P.I. or Detective Doyle, or just Dut. If you're in a hurry, you scared us. Harlow Doyle. There we Private go. Eye. That's what I was hoping for. They go on a quest to find Hangman's Hollow, and then they find it, and it's like this deserted ghost town, and then all of a sudden there's zombies. And then 
I was kind of sad. I, I wish that it had been scarier. Anyways, and then it turns out they're actually filming a reality TV show about families and a ghost town and zombies. And we'll talk about that later. So that's one big old plot point mm-hmm, that's that been going on sort of gets resolved in this episode because they figure out that it's a ghost town and a zombie and then right, which a has, TV show. Yeah, which is tied together with like Jason's antique shop because they wanted to buy a bunch of props. Yeah. Anyways. Then the second plot point is Wooten and the Perilous Pen, who is, like, stealing all of his secrets, and um, they're trying to figure out who the Perilous Pen is, and then his cousin is there. What's his cousin's name? Hadley. Uh-huh. Hadley Bassett. And uh, they think maybe it's Hadley, and then Wooten's house burns down. Mm-hmm. That's, like, the big drama. Right. Did I miss? I feel like there's another plot point. And then, like, there's stuff with uh, Jules and Vance. And Buck. And Buck. Buck gets beat up. Right. Which is kind of intense. Like, if I was a kid, that'd be probably mm. one of the things I remembered from all this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want you to meet the friends you just mentioned. Hey, Vance. I'll see you, Buck. Oh, and you might want to think twice about putting up a fight. <laughs> no one will believe self-defense. And any complaint against you could make the juvenile authorities think twice about letting you out early. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet dreams. That's scary. Butt got beat up. Yeah, which basically like is like Jules and Vance are talking. And you don't know what about. It's so boring. You don't know what's going on at all. No. I feel like they're trying to create like suspense. Like what is Jules getting herself into? But I'm like, I don't care. This is really boring and you need to give me more specifics. Right. Yeah. And then there's this like theme woven in about... Uh, Eugene and Katrina and Buck and um, you know like them trying to figure out what it means to be a family that is outside of God's design because oh, God. <laughs> Katrina and Eugene are like fostering Buck basically right mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and he's like the perfect person mm-hmm. which is so weird right because he's supposed to be such a troubled youth but he just has this like southern accent he's the only southern person in Odyssey <laughs> right <laughs> Yeah, so there's these three big old plot lines that have been running through these arcs, but they don't mean anything. And they actually don't. Right. None of them come to anything. So true. Right? Totally. None of them are resolved. None of them are an actual storyline. No, no one cares. So it's truly just filler so that they can do this series about Mr. Whitaker and And the the Business Business Association Association. (laughs) and being persecuted. For his not baking a cake. I mean, not putting up a poster. Right, yeah. So, what was good? Oh, I had something, but you go first. Um, I liked that uh, there's this part... So, Vance... Or, sorry, Buck um, is gets into this... Uh, gets beat up, right? Mm-hmm. And there's this whole theme kind of before he gets beat up and after of, like, he has to be on really good behavior. So, even if he gets beat up... Um, he's going to get in trouble. And I thought that was like a really good picture of how, you know, people that are incarcerated, like even after they're released, it follows them. Right. And really, it really has that potential, you know, the legal system, uh, is just so, uh, has such long arms, you know, that like, it's not just a matter of like being released. I thought I thought what was good is that Katrina basically tells Buck because he's like helping out at Wit's End and doing all this stuff. She tells him like, "Wow, it seems like you're working really hard. It almost seems like, you know, you're trying to earn your keep or you're wanting to impress us." But like, you know, 
you're here no matter what. If you feel you have to work hard to earn your keep or to impress us, you don't have to. I understand. I hope you do. And I was like, that's a cool, that's a good message, right? Like, you don't have to be perfect to be loved and mm-hmm. to be worthy of love. Um, and Hashtag then, secure attachment. <laughs> okay. Somebody wrote an email saying that I should not have cut you off a few episodes ago. Maybe it was just the last episode when you wanted to talk about attachment. And I was like, no. Another Canadian. Yes. Remember how you get grumpy sometimes about Adventures in Odyssey and recording this podcast? And you're basically like, we got to do it. Mm -hmm. And then I'm grumpy. Mm -hmm. But I'm sorry I cut you off. It's okay. Today we are talking about attachment and mental health. That's what the people want to hear. This is my episode. Yeah. My episode. This is my life. I listen to you talk about this all the time. (laughs) Right. But other people don't have that pleasure. It is important and also the only real theme that emerged in this episode. Okay. But before we get to that, in episode 10, I've had a thought and I want to hear what you think about it. Mm-hmm. So Katrina's basically like, you need to hang out with Buck more, and you need to connect with him more, and he needs a father figure. And Eugene's sort of like, I'm not that great at that. I'll do my best, but finding common ground with anyone is hard for someone like me. I'm not exactly normal. And Katrina's like, he talks to you way more than he talks to me, and whatever. But I was like, Eugene is like a really non-traditional masculine father figure, right? Mm-hmm. So I was like, is that good? That seems good. You know, focus on the family for all its, like, rigid gender roles and stuff. I'm like, Eugene does not fit that mold, does he? No. So is that a good thing? That's what I'm wondering. Yeah, or I'm they, not Or is Katrina sure. sort of being like, you need to be better. You need to be more like yeah, a traditional person. Right. I mean, I think that there's, like, I don't think that Eugene is idealized by any means. Mm-hmm. But I think that he's so adored and lovable now that they kind of push him into this role i guess but that's interesting yeah i didn't know what to think about that all right yeah. i like eugene mm-hmm. i know he's like the one person you like the one person all right yeah he's so skeptical and his own belief mm-hmm. yeah did you have a wit splain do we get there later? no you have a wit splain is that's, what i hear that's true um, Are we going to get to that later as we talk through yeah, these we'll things? Yeah, we'll get to that later. So we're going to talk through these episodes kind of quickly, right? You have your attachment stuff. Yeah. I don't have a whole lot to say except I have a little bit of hypocrisy I want to point out. Okay. Like normal. And I like then, that we're planning this on the fly yes, in the podcast. Then we're going to do a little bit of like what's going on in our lives update, mm-hmm. right? Right. So keep listening, yeah. you listeners. Because we got some tea coming. I've never heard that's that like an internet thing. Oh, okay. You don't know. Crispin's, I thought you were Crispin's just not like... on the internet as much as I am, guys. He doesn't know about the tea and the Kermit and the memes and the oh, thing. Oh yeah, that I saw that on a hat recently. Spill the tea. I we're see. gonna spill the tea. Right. Yeah. Okay. I thought you were just preparing to move to England. Oh um, no, they have freaking Boris Johnson. I'm not going there. <laughs> I don't know who that is either. That's their new prime minister, Crispin. <laughs> Sorry. You guys. I'm going to talk about the thing that I know to talk about. This right? is what I put up with. Because. <laughs> oh, wait. He knows a lot about attachment. He doesn't know who <laughs> Boris Johnson is. No. doesn't know anything about Brexit. But that's okay. We need you. Tell re- us. Tell re- us everything. I rely on you to tell me these things. So, 
Yeah, there's this whole theme around Buck is trying really hard. Um, and he's trying really hard because he's trying to escape his reputation and his past, basically. So Buck is the troubled youth that Katrina and Eugenia put in, just for right. those who aren't following along. Yes. Yes, thank you. And um, and so, yeah, there's this theme of, you know, Katrina saying, like, you don't have to impress us to belong here. Um, and Eugene, at one point, says this thing, you know, this very profound. He says, like, our value isn't in what we do, but in who we are, or rather who God allows or shapes us to be, or who we allow God to shape us. Buck, your desire to make a difference is a good one. One could argue that it's God-induced. Yet, our significance isn't merely in what we do. It's in who we are. Or rather, it's in who we let God shape us into being. Which I think is very problematic. Why? Because I think we want to be accepted for who we are, right? Like, that is our value. Like, that's what Katrina is telling Buck. Like, you're okay, right? And I think in evangelicalism, a lot of times, this is the thing that we get told is, like, you're valuable in as much as, like, one day you'll become perfect or one day you'll become holy or... Right, which is a thing we've already seen. Right, definitely. In the show with Buck, yeah. Right, yeah. And so I thought that was just like a, not a great soundbite, but like a soundbite really illustrating, right, like how how that plays out. And really, like, if you have shame and you have like, you know, an insecure attachment history where you don't feel lovable, then something like this sort of communicates like in this like kind of roundabout way, like... If you you're lovable, but in only in the sense that like you might become better, and it doesn't actually like help you like accept who you are. Um, and I think that like the, of course there's room for growth and healing, but I think as humans we really want to be accepted for right where we're at, not for like who we could be. Yeah, even listening to you talk, I think you know I was raised on these messages, and I have a really hard time like with what you're saying because you know I do believe in original sin. I do think. We all are pretty messed up, you know? So when mm-hmm. I hear you say that, I'm just like, ooh, Like, I see lots of very messed up people in the world. And the ones who are the most annoying, right, are the ones who are sort of like, I'm just speaking my truth. Mm-hmm. And they're like hurting people left and right and being right. really selfish and blah, 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 you know? Mm-hmm. So I think that's a little hard for me. I think you're talking about it more from this attachment shame standpoint than, like, we're giving everybody a free pass to be self-entitled a-holes, right? right. Yeah, yeah, totally. And value, right? Eugene literally says your value is in who you could become, which I think is problematic. Rather than, like, your value is that you're a child of God, you're made in his image, and you are valuable. And yeah, you hurt yourself, you hurt others. Like we need, you know, we might yeah. need to work on that stuff. But like at your core, like you are beloved by God and God created you. Yeah. So I think there's a difference between belovedness and like acceptance. Mm. Right? I don't think so. I mean, I just, I think that like accepting, I think that there is a way even to like accept everyone and recognize like, yeah, you are. Like, I'm accepting you with your brokenness, with your, you know, it's not saying that, like, the, like, the things that you do don't hurt other people or are wrong. So I guess, yeah, maybe that's some of the thing is, like, not saying that we tell people, like, everything you do is amazing. But when we think about, like, our closest relationships, right, we don't tell people, like, I think you are awesome and you never do anything wrong. It's not this sense of evaluation. It's a sense of, like, being with 
right? And I guess that's the thing is like what Eugene is saying is that it brings with it this sense of like being evaluated. And uh, people that grow up with insecure attachment, they don't have that sense of just being with someone else and being loved. It's always a sense of like, am I okay? Like, am I like being evaluated, right? And Eugene brings that language in of like, you know, you're being evaluated in some way. But Katrina doesn't. Right. And also these are, I feel like this gets at the mixed messages, right? Because before Eugene's whole thing is like, well, maybe he'll be redeemed. Maybe he'll become a good person. Yeah. Redemption. Right. Yeah. And then they're saying like, don't worry about it. Like you don't have to become a good person to be loved, which I think is confusing. It's confusing. Which brings me to my point. Okay. So... Well, let's talk about the one interesting conversation that happened in episode nine, which is when those kids stumble into this reality show that's taking place in a ghost town that also has zombies, which doesn't make any sense. Like, what does that mean? Reality show about a family in a ghost town with zombies. What What is that, Christian? Something on the CW. <laughs> but reality? Oh, I guess. So yeah, that's, I when I, that's what – it didn't make any sense to, right. to me because – anyways – Maybe the writers don't watch TV. (laughs) That's so obvious. Um, Definitely a CW show, and the producer lady ends up wanting to sort of focus group the kids, and she says it's because you guys are so normal, which is interesting. And from a small town. Oh, okay. Right? She's like, kids from like a small rural town America. And it was fascinating because, like, some like Harlow Doyle is like, well, producers have no power, and then like, the guy who works there is like, this one has a lot of power, which I thought was fascinating. So this lady has a lot of power, and um, yeah, so she's really big on like this is an average family, right, in a zombie ghost town. <laughs> and then she asked the kids if they would watch it, and the first kid's like, no, like my parents wouldn't let me watch this because it has zombies in it, and. You know, there's violence and there's kids in perilous situations, which I thought was funny. And then the second girl was sort of like, yeah, I don't think my parents would. I wouldn't want to watch it. And I don't think my parents would want to watch it. And then the third kid, Jay, is like, yeah, my parents just want me to be quiet. So they sit me for the TV all the time. If it'll keep me quiet, my parents won't care because, quote, they want me to be quiet. And then the producer's like, okay, so there's three types of parents, right? Then uh-huh. she goes to this whole thing like... You three are, like, the three kinds of kids in America, which is basically, like, one who has, like, really dogmatic parents and they – do you think she's saying, like, they have all these rules about what their kids can watch? Uh-huh, yeah. And then there's people who come from families where there's, like, some room for negotiation and then there's, like, indifferent parents. Right. And which <laughs> is so weird. Focus on the family. What kind of parents mostly fit into that category? What do you think, Christmas? The fact that they're their kids are listening to Adventures in Odyssey means they go on the first one. The right? dogmatic ones, mm-hmm. yes. Um and they're like, Do you have any questions about the show? And the boy's like, Yeah, I had a question about like are they the parents, the two people? And she's like, Yeah, why? And he's like, Because they're named Anna and Kim. Like, where's the father? And that's where I will what did you feel like what did you think when you first heard that? Uh, well, I thought that there was a lesbian couple. Yeah, but that's right. when I was like, finally! Uh-huh. Finally! Like, we have a mention of what is actually going on. And yet, I mean, do you think most kids would probably get that, right? There's two women mm-hmm. in this average family, and there's right. no father. Yeah. Right. 
But again, this it doesn't say like they're a lesbian couple. Right. Yeah, and instead the producer lady's like, why do you care where the father is? Like all of our studies have shown that people of your generation don't care. So I thought But you're not supposed to care. I'm not? All our studies indicate that your generation doesn't care about traditional definitions of families. But what if we do care? You won't in a couple of years. It's a great ac- or, uh, impression, by oh, the way. Thank you. I was drama student of the year in high school. And just saying, like, and in a few years, anyways, this will be the typical family. And I was like, oh, my gosh. That's that's it. Like, that's it right there. So this this is less about... Okay, well, we'll get to what I really think this is about. And then they kind of talk about, like, okay, so there's this boy in this show. What's his name? Justin. He's the heartthrob of the reality show. Mm-hmm. But you get, is this reality? Is this a real family? Did you mention it's also a musical? No, they're going to turn it into a musical. Oh, okay. And then there's a girl named Kindred who tilts a shotgun, who has a shotgun. And then there's, like, another girl who might be their stepsister or half-sister and, like, the girl from Odyssey is like, this is so confusing. Is it a stepsister or a half-sister? I can't keep up. I need, like, a chart. And I'm like, that, that's their argument here. It's too confusing. That's thats the whole shebang, right? And I forget what Chris says at the end. Chris didn't really enrage me in these two episodes because she didn't have a lot to say. But something i mean this whole thing is sort of about like what the world thinks is the average family what the world and market research says is going to be the average family versus you know what god's design for the average family is right that's obviously the central premise they're setting up right but what's so strange is like this whole episode and the next one starts right off episode 10 starts right off with katrina being like eugene you need to like talk to buck more and you need to be more of a father figure and i'm like Wait a minute. The last episode, you're just like, wait, this is too confusing. Is this a stepsister or a half-sister? I can't keep up. This is awful. I can't believe the average family's good. And then right into like, but for some reason in this situation, it's good to have a confusing family where the lines are blurred, but we should still act like family to each other. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, good catch. Isn't that confusing? Yes. So really, this isn't about defining what the average family is for a Christian, because that's not a biblical concept, right? The average family for a Christian is whoever God brings into your doors. Like, that's what the freaking book of Acts is all about. The Holy Spirit is constantly dragging us outside of our preferred little bounded sets, you know, into these places where we now call people brother and sister and invite them into our family. So that is not, you can't make a good biblical argument for like a biblical family is just a biological mother, father, kids, right? Right. But what it is, it's an it's an argument that is stoking fear for evangelicals. Mm-hmm. So market research is showing us. Trends are pointing towards uh-huh. the average family is going to be a lesbian couple named Anna and Kim with kids named Justin and Kindred. <laughs> and right. that's supposed to terrify us for some reason, which I still don't understand because they don't make a case for that. Right. Yeah. They just it's plant... Not got- the train is going to run off the tracks. They just plant these seeds of, like, everything's changing, and market research so- shows us that the younger generation doesn't care. Right. Does that make sense? That's, yeah, yeah. that's the scary news, not the zombies. Right. It's that market research shows that young people don't care if the CW couple is gay or not. Right. Which, again, they don't make any argument for why that's bad, just like, oh, that's slightly confusing. Right, yeah. Yeah, right. 
uh, I just like had this wave of like, oh, I've heard that before where we recently had a conversation uh, about like holding different views of like interpretations of the Bible and being told like that's too confusing. Yeah. But um, yeah. This is all I mean, about fear. Right. And basically like, yeah, what does that mean? It means that I'm like the U.S. is less homophobic than it was before. That's a good thing. No matter where you stand, I think. Yeah. And that, you know, gay marriage has been legalized now. Again, when this was made, it was not legalized across the country. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, maybe this was about that show, The Fosters. I never even saw it. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was in a ghost town. I don't think it was zombies. zombies. Uh, but, you know, just this fear that culture is changing, culture is going to make us change. Culture is going to change our children. Like, that's a real thing for conservatives. And Mm -hmm. maybe for everybody, you know, if we're being generous. But it's just really fascinating to see it just laid out here. Right. Like that. Yeah. Okay, which leads into a discussion question. Okay. Would you watch Family Survivor if you had a chance? Well, I don't like zombies. But these zombies were not scary sounding. Right. They sounded like hamsters. Danielle won't even watch Stranger Things. Yeah. Uh, I'd watched it. I watched the first season that had horrible nightmares. Right. You guys, I think that Stranger Things is based off of Frank Peretti's Piercing the Darkness. Have we already talked about this? Yes, I think we did when we did the Dungeons and Dragons, the Castles and Cauldrons episode. Uh, do you, how are families portrayed in TV shows and movies you watch? Oh, what show have we been watching recently? Uh, it's the, about a family. The big family cookout. Oh, cook I love that show. Right. That Talking about conf- reality show. This is a big family cooking show right on Netflix. It's like British. And some of the families are amazing. Some of them are horrible. And it is confusing. We're like, who is, how are they related? Yeah, it's totally so, confusing. Right. Uh, do you feel like TV and movies are helping or hurting families, Danielle? Families? Yeah. Who cares? We got to get to the end of this line of questioning. Oh, okay. What do you think? What do you think? Uh, I would say, if anything, helping. Because I think that there's something really validating about seeing your experience, you know, on TV. And I think that's happening more so than than, uh, ever before. You know what's a great portrayal of a family? Shazam. Remember? That was so great. mm -hmm. Yeah. So true. Today... My, our kids really want to watch Shazam because they saw this trailer once. It was really funny. And, like, they beg me about it all the time. Today we're at the grocery store and Shazam is, like, on sale. And Ramona, who's almost nine, is like, why can't we watch Shazam? And I was like, because there's demons in it and they kill people and it's horrible. And she was, like, very shocked. But I was so sick of them asking to watch mm-hmm. it. And then Ransom, who was four, just in the car kept saying, like, how about when I'm 13? That's how he says 13. <laughs> Can I watch it when I'm 13? All of it. And I was like, Sure. You're 13. You can watch Shazam because the parts are good except for the demon parts. Right, yeah. The Frank Peretti parts, we can call them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, right. I didn't think it was that scary, but cause it was so it's scary. People told me it was really scary, so I was just waiting I for hated something. I it. Okay, how does your TV or movie watching glorify God? Well, it doesn't. I feel extremely guilty when I watch PBS shows because. When I watch PBS shows, I'm like, this is PBS. This is great. And then they all end up having, like, extremely attractive 
young priests in them. And I'm and, like, this is horrible. And you lust after them? Is that why you feel guilty? I don't lust after them, but I just feel like it's so pandering to lonely old women who love cats like myself. Not like I'm lonely, I have a great husband, blah, blah, blah. It just feels weird. Mm-hmm. Like Poldark, Grandchester, I'm looking at you. That Does that glorify God? Does Grandchester glorify God? No. I love this conversation. How do you feel about pop culture? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Did you ever go to summer camp and think about, like, how your life glorified God? And yes, what... and I was 100% sure my life was amazing, and God would be extremely pleased with me, which he would. I only listened to Christian stuff. My whole jam was reading missionary biographies. I mean, I watched that thing you do a lot, which, as we know, is squeaky clean, except for Tom Hanks' wife. Which we were trying to figure out. And the camera really lingers on her cleavage. I will say that. Um, But besides that, (laughs) yes, I was perfect. They, my nickname was the perfect child. I didn't watch anything bad. Yeah. In fact, I would like make my friends turn off movies. Can't hardly wait. No, no, we're not going to watch. Not to mention that you told your dad what to and what not to read yeah i read i read jurassic park when i was how old was i like 10 12 and i was like dad it's a great book but it's too much language you shouldn't read it <laughs> so <funny. sighs> when i was, I was insufferable in, when i was in sixth grade i went to you know like summer camp and we had the whole like rededicating your life to jesus yeah campfire and then i came home and confessed to my parents that i was swearing at school a lot with like <gasps> you were swearing at school streaming down what my were face. you saying uh just all the you know normal words what yeah right can you believe it today ramona asked me if she could say freak like what the freak and i was like no you can't <laughs> right. so then we 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 like crowdsourced some other things you know what we came up with what what in the what <laughs> what in tarnation hmm Holy guacamole. She seemed excited about that one. If you're Anthony from Queer, I'd be holy guacamole. Guacamole. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I was, I wanted to fit in. That's really what it is. Yeah. I mean, it's, a, I'm sorry, honey. This is really precious. I think, you know, as we're talking about families and media like the point of good media is to tell good stories and that isn't about like reshaping the perfect family right right Mm -hmm. in fact i'm having a really hard time thinking of a movie where i'm like wow that wanted me to have a better family Mm -hmm. there's definitely like christian movies that are like that i know that but that doesn't seem to be the point of true art and like stories that bring us closer to god like i can't think of a single bible story that's like here's the importance of family Mm -hmm. they're all horrible families horrible especially if you're a woman Mm -hmm. all of them i believe you i'm super upset right now yeah 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 uh god still works through that right yeah so wit and jason have a talk I totally tuned out. So if you want to talk about that, you can't talk about that. Right. Jason, uh, so he is. He's Wit's son. Yes. Jason is Wit's son. Wit is in the hospital at this point because of the great collapse last time. And he seems fine. Right. Totally fine. 
Um, and, uh, Jason is just lamenting that cause he runs an antique business and he went and bought a bunch of stuff from this, this older woman died and then her kids were selling all the stuff. And he was like, it just makes me so sad. Like they just want to like get rid of all of her stuff and yeah, her kids are getting rid of everything. And I mean everything. She seems like a Christian position. Right. Right. Oh, I should do ask. not steal up, like, do not store up on earth the things which the moths and steal and, you know, rest destroy. Right, yeah. Well, then Jason is like, I'm really glad that you kept my things and I'm going to keep your things and we have a history together. Um, and yeah, I was just trying to figure that out. Like, there was this really big emphasis basically in, like, family heirlooms. And with, like, yeah, it just reminds us that, like, our life isn't about us. It's, like, a bigger picture. Yeah, it was all just gobbledygook. Which I think was this under, like, backhanded, uh, like, criticism of, like, people that want to, like, change marriage. They just care about themselves and they don't care about, like, the rest of their community. Okay, this is this is the segment called Crispin overthinks things. Right. Yeah. Good. Yeah, go. Totally. Yeah. Because I think that's it. It's, like, it's just a weird appeal to say, like, you are part of, like, a broader... He says, like, people forget the bigger picture. I'm not sure what that means. God's design is patriarchy. Right, that's true. But he's putting it in this, like, lineage, like, specific lineage way, which I think is also patriarchal, right? Oh, yeah. It's just so... Lineage is patriarchy. Up the wazoo. But what is hilarious is... Oh, people, are you ready for this? Right, so here's the Witsplain equivalent. Uh, So Wit... Uh, basically says like well, some people see the price of everything and the value of nothing and I was like what do you want to bet that's either Oscar Wilde or Mark Twain looked it up totally was Oscar Wilde who was a gay man that Wit is quoting he's extremely this gay man right which I just thought and was Mr. Am- Whitaker quotes like do you think the writers were like we're just gonna like slip this in here or did they not know like, did they steal it? Without... What do you think? I have no idea. I just can't quite... I don't understand any of this. The The sense that I get, though, is that they're actually, like, even among the writing team, there wasn't a lot of consensus about this album. Okay. I think there actually was a lot of people that didn't, like, there was a lot of pushback and stuff, so... So maybe one writer wrote that in there, and then mm-hmm. Paul McCluskey or whoever... Didn't, didn't know, know right. that it was Oscar Wilde. Yeah. I just thought that was Whoa! <laughs> pretty amazing. The conservatives get owned by this witsplain. Right. But yeah, it's just this weird, like, I just don't understand the whole, like, history thing. I don't know. It's just, I mean, it, it just kind of reminds, like, and yeah. It it's just, a nonsensical. It's not really even a plot point. Right, that's true. But it just, I guess it just made me think about, like, heritage, and especially when it comes to, like, white heritage in America, just kind of hit on that for me a little bit. Mm. So Yeah, I don't have, like, really any, very much from my family and my parents, and we're not those kind of people. Right. That save things. Both of our families, like, have moved a ton. Yeah. Missionaries and pastors. And I'm not saying that's good, because I think... Actually, a part of being an anti-racist white person in the United States is being aware of your heritage. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I don't think that comes through furniture. Right. So. Yeah. 
Yeah. Right. It's just weird. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was pretty awesome. And I think that is it. Dude, these episodes were lame, but they're just fillers for some really intense stuff coming up. Okay, one last thing, because I told you this was my episode. Oh. So Chris, at the end, says... So Wooten's house burns down, and that actually was really interesting, because he's like, it was just stuff... Isn't, yeah, wound's cool. Yeah, it was like, isn't that what you're supposed to say? And which, oh. Which I liked. Like, I think they're... No, I think he was, like, wrestling with his own feelings about okay. it. Uh, which actually is funny because in the discussion question, the discussion question was, should things be important to us? Which is weird because he, they're trying to say, no, it shouldn't as yeah. Christians. But anyway... But I like that Wooten's, like, kind of wrestling with what he actually feels versus, like, what he thinks he should feel. Mm-hmm. But then Chris comes on right after that, and uh, she's basically said, like, everyone has had a rough time, um, but they're dealing with it so well. They could become selfish or depressed or feel sorry for themselves. And, like, depressed does not fit in that list. Like, why oh. are you saying, like, selfish, depressed, it's feeling sorry for yourself? It's a good counselor catch there, buddy. Right. I mean, it's basically saying that's a sinful way to respond to trauma. Yeah. Which, yeah. I'm like, yeah, like, this is the thing. This is the thing that happens in churches where it's like you should have the joy of the Lord or you should feel this way or you should feel that way. And it doesn't create space that people actually need to process their emotions. Yeah. So. Preach. Yep. I think that is it. Yeah. Other than that, Chris didn't have a lot to say. I did not feel rage when her chipper voice came on. I was like, oh, okay, whatever. Right. These two just seemed like normal Odyssey episodes. Silly, weird. Yeah. But I don't understand why they're in there. They just had to fill it out to 14 episodes. Uh, I feel like they were like, really had to build on some things, I guess. I don't know. Like, they had a lot of plot to make up. So that's my thought. Lame. Yeah, we just wanted to take a minute and just um, acknowledge, like, this is, talking through these things um, is really, really difficult. Yeah, what's the tea, Crispin? What is the tea? (laughs) (laughs) Well. You still don't know what that means. No. So, when did we start recording this podcast, like this season? I want to say, let's see, we've done, we've done about eight episodes at, uh, twice every other week. So what is that? Four months? Yeah. Yeah. So a lot has actually happened to us in the four months since we started. We had no idea. Doing this series. And I think it's just a good time for us to just sit back and be honest and, you know, be slightly vulnerable because... I think for me, I'm someone who has really wanted to be in diverse community and, you know, I've oriented my life towards living in places of poverty in the United States. And so mostly within refugee and immigrant communities, mostly with Muslim refugees, but not all. There's, you know, people in generational poverty and all that. So that's mostly what our life has been when here in Portland, we've attended a church for the past few years that is mostly, um, 
you know, kind of a typical evangelical church, very diverse. The leadership is uh, pretty diverse um, at our campus. And yeah, so we basically haven't really had to deal with LGBTQ issues um, because it's not a huge issue for most of my neighbors that they have ever told me. Most of the people we are friends with are very conservative, either Christian, conservative Christian or conservative Muslims. Um, yeah, so the, I guess this is an issue that I've been privileged to just say, like, I don't know. And, you know, I was definitely raised very conservative, but I've had questions, you know, from a very early age, which I think I've even shared on here. And the main question, I remember when I was like 18 years old, just saying, this doesn't make sense. Like, why would we put a burden on someone that we've never had to bear? You know, Mm -hmm. which is just kind of how it seemed to me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that we've held an affirming position for uh, like five years now, but we just, it's never like created much like tension in the communities we're in. And we haven't really been forced to say that. Um, and like we have attended like Mennonite spaces where it hasn't been as much of an issue, but it seems like every other church we've attended has been very conservative, <laughs> patriarchal, evangelical church. So fast forward to this early spring, winter, Mm -hmm. and things really hit the fan for us. And so we are on a journey and we've always just thought it's okay to be on the journey. I mean, I am on Twitter where it doesn't seem like that's okay at all. And I understand people who are coming from that perspective too, honestly. Um, But yeah, we've mostly been people who are affirming and been moving towards an affirming position in non-affirming spaces. Yeah, right. And we have been happy with that and we feel like we can do more in these conservative spaces and there are people and we speak their language and we've changed and we know other people are changing and other people can change and yeah I just feel way more comfortable doing that kind of work mm-hmm. um, but some things have happened in the in the past few months with our church specifically like putting forth a covenant community document where they made explicit some of their theological positions including Women can't be elders, and elders make all the decisions for the church, and that marriage should be between one man and one woman for life. And, mm-hmm. and, and you're supposed to, like, sign on to this covenant community to be, a, you know, a part of this right, church. Yeah. And we're both, like, very active in the church. Right, yeah. The, and, and the, like, the Bible defines marriage as yeah. between one man and one woman. Yeah. And... So that kind of, like, forced the issue for us. Well, actually, I mean, what we did was we... We did a book study of Tim Otto's Oriented to Faith that talks about, like, how do you, in a community, navigate, like, people holding diverse opinions or different uh, different interpretations of scripture. On, on same-sex marriage. Right, yeah. And, like, trying to figure out, like, yeah, is that a possibility for our community? While acknowledging, like, there does need to be a stance, but we were sort of asking, like, hey, could our church hold a position that says we we don't perform same-sex marriages but we recognize that there are people in our in our church and outside our church christians that hold a different view and kind of like make some space for that uh to which the response was no like this is a non-debatable issue this is a sin issue um, so we weren't asking them to change their position but we we're asking them to like hold some space for a diversity of theological views yeah and so we also are in- Often in these positions where we're, I guess we kind of like force people to really think through what their policy is, right? And I think that's a great 
there's a great role to take if you are someone who is affirming or even you're somewhere you're someone who you're like I don't I don't take a strong position even like this is something I think you could do in more traditionalist spaces so we were just saying like well both Kristen and I are lay leaders in the church and Kristen you've had way more responsibility than me even recently what does it mean if we can't sign on to this document? Like, can we still be in these positions of leadership where we're running small groups, where we're, you know, getting thousands of dollars from the church to run these nonprofits like I do, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's like they hadn't really thought that through, and so Mm -hmm. we're sort of forcing that issue. Um, It was was a little all over the map. Like, some people were like, oh, that's fine, and other people were like, no, it's not fine, and it's confusing, you know, to have multiple perspectives from people in leadership and – so we weren't paid by the church, but we were, like, very involved lay leaders. Yeah, so we had this group. We met and did a book study, and basically most of the people in the group came out as even more for me <laughs> than they were when they started. And, you know, we don't have to go into all of it, but um, we really did the work of meeting with pastors, of emailing them, a bunch of people you know, love emailed and just kind of sharing our concerns, wanting to have dialogue. And really what it came down to is like, we need to believe them when they say like this position is non-negotiable and it's never going to change. And actually they've invested like decades into these like patriarchal beliefs because that's really what it comes down to. And it it was all the same things that we were hearing in these Odyssey Mm -hmm. episodes, right? Which is about God's design. Right. We had no idea that when we started this, we would be like, there would be this parallel of having these same exact conversations. And we go to one of those hipster churches. Yes. So that's why it's so wild to like when you actually sit them down and be like, is this a gospel issue or not? They're like, well, it's actually all about God's design, which is male and female. Unless they come together, you don't have a full picture of God. And then we're like, oh my gosh. That this is, is what, what focus said. <laughs> this is what focus on the family believes. <laughs> so it was like it was pretty bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. And and recognizing that there are so many people in the world that that really don't have the privilege, right, of, like, staying in traditional spaces, right. right? Like, I am not, like... But I think that question is, like, what is... That, that was the question we wrestled through. Like, do we stay and continue these conversations and try to bring more diversity yeah. to this space? And And I think not only for this issue, but, like, on so many issues, if there's something where... Uh, someone comes to you and is like, this theology is bringing harm, right? Like it's, then I think we have a responsibility to think through it. Yeah. Um, And I think, you know, there's so many different pieces of that. So I think we really were wrestling through, like, do we stay and push for a more diverse thing or do we withdraw because we don't want to support this institution that, um, you know, for one, doesn't allow, uh, I mean, really doesn't allow diversity of leadership. Right. Um, and also is not affirming. And so we kind of did both. We like <laughs> tried to push for diversity yeah. of voices and then it became clear and it's like, Hey, we're going to like take you at your word. Um, and we, we hope that we actually hope that you as a church make this more public because there are so many folks that like go to these churches and they like hold these values, but they don't know like what sort of position the church holds. Yeah. So I would, I mean, even I would say a few months ago, you know, there's this website called church clarity where you can look up like a church's stance on both women in leadership and LGBTQ issues. 
And I'm like, that's kind of weird. And that's sort of like putting pressure on churches to make a stance. And that's, and now I'm like, thank the Lord for that work. And I, I think even for both, right, both stances, if you're traditionalist, like you should know, like if your churches are not, and if you are somewhere on the spectrum of affirming, you should know. And, um, yeah, I think what's hard for us is we are sad to leave. And even a few weeks ago, I would say we're, com- we're committed, you know, we want to be in diverse community. Um, but it's just really disheartening to hear people say like, you don't read the Bible with integrity and you just want an easy gospel. And so they already have the narrative, you know, in their minds why we're leaving and we can't change that. Although part of me just wants to prove and like, I've been studying this for 15 years. You know what I mean? Right, like, yeah. and I feel the Holy Spirit is the one. Mm-hmm. leading me. And I don't claim a corner on that, but I'm just saying the Holy Spirit has worked in my life through a wide, a wide variety of people. And so I feel, I don't feel like we're leaving. I feel like we've been left. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have left our church and we want to say that. Mm-hmm. And we're attending one that is affirming and we really love it so far. And um, women are really embraced in leadership there too. They already asked Danielle to be on the speaking team. Well, yeah. Or that, like, yeah. To be a part of something. It was wild, though, just to be Uh asked. Um, And I do want to say that we don't want to say this. Here's a few things I'm worried about. Us patting ourselves on the back. Because this is just... That's not what this is. Hmm. And in some ways, I wish we had done this sooner. But in other ways, I do know that we were trying to make change. And I also, I don't judge other people who stay if they are really struggling and wrestling and in conversation with leadership. Because that's the other thing is people sort of like, so should I leave immediately? And it's just like, I think everybody has their own breaking point. But what I cannot abide is people who are just like putting their fingers in their ears. Like, I don't want to know what the official policy is. I'm happy here. My kids like the kids church. My friends go here. And that I'm not okay with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that, like you said, that you leave, but it means no. that you have some hard conversations. You have. And we've been having a lot of them. And it's totally exhausting. Yeah. So I get that. But I just feel like this is what we have to do. 30 to 40% of evangelicals are now affirming. And, you know, the church we just left, their stance is like, yeah, they just want to capitulate to culture. And the gospel's never been popular. The Bible's never been popular. So... That's their tactic. I pray and hope that other churches have a different pastoral response Mm -hmm. as people are changing um, on this issue. Right. Yeah. I mean, I I just think it's so important, like, as a pastor to be like, let's understand, like, what's going on here. Yeah. Right. Like, obvious. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. But it has been a hard and heart-wrenching couple like a few months. Yeah. And I will say, I also tweeted something about, I, I tweeted like a post that Sarah Bessie had written about why she became affirming. And I tweeted that and I said something like, I really resonate with this. I'm also an affirming person who operates in a lot of non-affirming spaces. And then because of that tweet, I was told I can no longer, I got a phone call saying I can no longer write for Christianity today anymore. Um, which I wasn't aware that they had uh, what they call an a verbal policy. So it's unwritten mm-hmm. policy, mm-hmm. a verbal policy that if any of their, I was, I guess, higher profile writers um, says something on social media about being affirming, they can't write for them in any capacity anymore. So that happened. Yeah. 
Right. It really begs the question, like, why is this the thing that you're staking everything on? You're staking everything on it. Yeah. Right. And I think, yeah, it just goes back to, like, we really, like, this is a, this is a debatable issue. It just is. It meets that criteria of attention between, like, tradition and compassion and experience and, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, the stakes are real. They're higher for people who are not us, right? They're obviously yes. higher for queer folk. And we want to just be aware of that as, as we're talking. Um, but, yeah, I would like to extend an invitation, just being very real now. Mm-hmm. We have experienced a lot of change and transition in the last four months because of this issue, which we did not see coming. Um. If you are someone who is in a more traditionalist space and would like to ask for prayer or like to talk through possible ways you can move the conversation forward in your space, email us. And one of us will hopefully get to you. It might be Kristen because I'm notoriously bad at email. (laughs) But I think that's something we'd like to commit to as we have been experiencing this in some ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and even um, we've had folks that have supported us. Yeah. Shout out to our small group. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're amazing. Right. Small group. And also, I'm thinking of one of our listeners <gasps> who is affirming an affirming pastor in the Portland area. David but... Libby. We should, we should link to – he wrote an amazing post. He's a pastor here in Portland, and he wrote this really amazing post on how he became affirming. Mm-hmm. And in a, like, he's in a church where they, like, some leaders hold an affirming position and some don't. Yeah. It's really interesting. Really great. Right. Yeah. So we've been really supported and we love to support you all. It is really difficult. And, yeah, I mean, this issue is so important, but it's really that issue of, like, when, when there's something that you know, like, is traumatizing to to some people right and you want to talk through it as a church and you bring up questions and you know in those times where the questions are taken as challenges or attacks just does not feel good when you're like this is such an important issue that we need to have a real conversation about yeah 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 so that's the that's the very depressing tea um The culture wars are still going strong. Yes, they partly are. due to things like focus on the family. I don't mm-hmm. know. They they're creating a playbook here, mm-hmm. and I feel like we're not operating out of a playbook. We are just trying to take one step forward as we follow Jesus, and Jesus is headed towards the suffering mm-hmm. of the world. I mean, Jesus is already there, right? And we're heading towards that. Yeah. Exactly. And it feels like a slippery slope, I guess, to some people. It just feels like we are trying to follow the Spirit. Mm-hmm. And it's very confusing. I think that's why, uh, what was it, Desiring God posted that article recently saying that empathy is a sin. Empathy is a sin. Right. It'll lead you to become a furry. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, but send us emails. Uh, prophetic imagination station. Not at... the prophetic imagination. No. no, just prophetic imagination station at gmail. Yes. Dot com. Mm-hmm. We're on Twitter. I love to post a good 
gif or two. Did I say it right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, right. Where you can yeah, find I me feel at like DL our... Mayfield. Also, somebody somebody keeps tagging the wrong K Mayfield on Twitter. Oh. Someone named Catherine Mayfield <laughs> keeps getting tagged in all of our Odyssey posts. <laughs> it's K double underscore Mayfield mm-hmm. for you. He, he tweets about attachment all the time. So if that scratches a little itch you have, you just go find him on there. Please, somebody else talk to Christopher about attachment theory. <laughs> I'm avoidant attachment. That's, that's my we, problem. That's why we need to move to Canada, because that's where the International Center of Emotionally Focused Therapy is, which is an attachment-based couples therapy. I'm just getting there, man. We're getting booted out left and right everywhere. <laughs> the next thing is get to our citizenship right. revoked because of this podcast. What if Trump listened? Oh, that'd be great. He, I, he doesn't have the attention span no, no, for us. I think Mike Pence might, right? He's like, <gasps> like I just imagine Mike him, Pence, right, on Air Force Two or whatever, and he's just like on his phone, and he's like, Adventure and Odyssey podcast. Right, exactly. Puts it on. This will be safe for the family. Right. Dear Jesus, please make it happen. That would be amazing. Okay, we got to wrap this up. Yeah, right. But just real quick, uh-huh. uh, someone texted me the other day that they were at a conservative Bible college <gasps> in Portland, <gasps> and that someone was talking about <laughs> a <gasps> podcast about Adventures in Odyssey by a liberal author and her <gasps> husband. A liberal author and her husband. Ah! Put that <laughs> on our tombstones. Right. <laughs> Right next to each other. Just that. A, a liberal, liberal author, author, her husband. And her husband. Right, yeah. That'd be wonderful. Mm. All right. Um, send us emails, and we will be back in two weeks. Bye. This has been an episode of the Prophetic Imagination Station. Check us out on SoundCloud or iTunes and stay tuned for weekly discussions.